Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today we're talking season four, episode three, Minimal Loss. This episode is, uh, I'm glad you're covering it because it's a little convoluted. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I also think it, it it's good. I mean, let's, as, as we said in the last episode, let's address the elephant in the room. Luke Perry is the unsub. The actor did die in 2019, I think it was. Yeah, you would know him from 90210, and he also uh, was playing Archie's dad on Riverdale, um, which is where most people, I would think, our age know him from. Just a really good actor and, like, an interesting actor to watch. And also just, like, allegedly a really wonderful person, too, from what I know. So RIP Luke, you know, hope you're hope you're somewhere somewhere nice. But um I guess we sh- we should start with some fun facts. My fun fact is that every time we record, I- I'm a very like treat oriented person. I'm like a cat. Like you have to motivate me with food and treats and nice things. I almost always have a kombucha with me. There was a time when I was like not employed as much when like kombucha is expensive where I live. It's probably like $4 with before sales tax. And I was brewing it myself and it was super cool. And I would make all my own flavors and everything. And it would be like, obviously so much cheaper to just buy bulk tea or supplies. And I did it for like a year and a half. Holy shit. And I don't do it anymore. You know, like sometimes those hobbies are just fleeting. Like I love doing it, but it was so time consuming. And I just have so many other things going on. So I'm repping, um, oh God, what am I repping today? Oh, I'm repping Health Aid today. If Health Aid wants to sponsor us, I drink your kombucha pretty much every day. Uh, my kombucha fun fact is like, although I don't drink it, I tried it once and didn't like it, but I feel like I w- if I tried it again, I would. I just haven't. But the last roommates I had, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a challenging experience, but one of them would buy those like huge bottles of kombucha, like the big ones, multiple servings in a bottle and wouldn't recycle. So I would, like, open the trash can and there'd be a huge glass bottle that was for kombucha in the trash can. And I'm like, kombucha is a hippy-dippy drink. They're giving it to you in a glass bottle so that you can recycle it. Recycle. Don't be a piece of shit. Please. Come on, guys. (laughs) Get it together, guys. Can I say that we are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds or Health Aid Kombucha, but we sure would like to be. So our rating criteria for every episode is out of 100 points in these five categories. Criminal slash serial killer, character development and character arcs, forensics and context, 
script writing and background characters. Let's do this. I'm trying to hype myself up. I know, I know. You need some kombucha over there. I'm, I saved this. This is the third episode we're recording today. So far, I've had coffee and I've had a, a seltzer. And I was like, save kombucha for your the next one you cover because then you can like get that like little eight gram sugar rush going on. All right. Yeah, I've had a protein nutrition shake because that's what I have for breakfast every day because I'm too lazy to cook in the morning. Um, and then I've had some chai tea, but decaf because I don't drink ca- caffeine. Um, and then water, but I'm probably going to grab a little like brownie cookie thing um, before I cover my next episode <laughs> so that I can get the zoomies. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's let's do this. Minimal loss. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news. <laughs> We opened with a special report from La Plata County, Colorado. We learn about a standoff between police and the Separatarian sect who are holed up at their ranch compound in the middle of the desert. We learn that there are women, children, and FBI agents in the building. Just as the reporter finishes, beep, boop, beep, 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 the, the ranch behind the reporter explodes, or I should say the compound behind the, ex- the reporter. Kaboom. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. And the reporter is like, Jim, are you getting this? Boom, boom, boom. We flash back in time to three days ago. I really liked how they, they did that little intro thing. I thought that was like, it draws you right in. Flashback to three days ago, we hear a whispered recording saying, quote, He comes into my bedroom at night and lays with me. He says it's God's will. I'm only 15, and I'm not the only one. Please help me. We see Reed and Prentice driving through the desert in a car with a CPS agent, so Child Protective Services, um, and her name is Nancy Lund. Nancy tells the she tells Reed and Prentice that she believes the he that the girl on the recording is referring to is Benjamin Cyrus. She tells the BAU that it is rumored that Cyrus is practicing polygamy and forced marriages, but they've never had any proof. They believe the caller, based on the age identified in the voice message, is Jessica Evanson. The worker has negotiated interviews with all the children, and we're talking about the children in the compound that we saw. Boom, boom, boomed. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. So Prentice asks Nancy Lund um, not to identify herself and read as FBI, to use their real names, but to identify them as, quote, child interview experts. What the fuck is that? (laughs) I... I don't know. <laughs> the way they thought they were going to get away with that. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. So they approach the compound, and it's a typical polygamist cult compound, guys. There are chickens. It's the desert. There are children running around. We've all seen this. Nancy Reed and Prentice introduce themselves to Cyrus, who is the leader of the Separatarian sect. He's a man of the people, plaid shirt over white undershirt and all. Also, plaid alert. 
Plaid alert. Did I tell you about this? Did we talk about this? How there's so much plaid all the time. How we have to have an alert for people wearing plaid. (laughs) Plaid alert. This is going to add like five minutes onto every episode. Oh my god, get ready for next episode. There's so much plaid. There are multiple different outfits featuring plaid. Anyways, um, so Nancy introduces Reed and Prentice as child victim interview experts. And Cyrus says, quote, How far from God's word must we have strayed for there to be a need to invent a job called child victim interview expert? And of course, Cyrus is Luke Perry, RIP. Cut to Reed and Prentice interviewing the children. By children, I mean that we meet one child, uh, Jessica Evanson, and we meet her mother, Kathy Evanson. Jessica tells the BAU, quote, We go to school, we do our chores, and we treat ourselves and each other with the respect that God demands. Prentice tells Jessica that they received a phone call alleging that Cyrus was abusing young girls. And Jessica says, quote, Is it inappropriate for a husband to share a bed with his wife? And we're like, oh no. Jessica, who is 15, is married to Cyrus, a grown man. Right. And this is, like, obviously not a lawful marriage, as this is child rape and child abuse, but because he's in his own little compound, he has married her in the compound. She's so brainwashed. So just as Jessica tells them this... Cyrus bursts into the room with other separatists and big guns, telling them all that the ranch compound is being raided. He thinks that the child victim interview expert set him up. But we learned that actually Reed and Prentice did not know about this raid at all. Apparently Cyrus got a call from an unknown source telling him about the raid, and we we never actually learn who that unknown source is. Meanwhile, a SWAT team storms the compound. However, the Separatists and Nancy Reed and Prentice have fled underground to an underground bunker. Just as the SWAT team realizes this, they think that they're bombs or dynamites or something, so they run out of the building. And then the separatists who have stayed behind go back up into the building, and then they start defending the compound by firing at the SWAT team. And there is a shootout. Both SWAT members and separatists are hit, but I don't think anyone is initially killed. There's just lots of gunfire. Underneath the compound, Cyrus is trying to calm everybody, but there are just guns and ammunition everywhere. Meanwhile, the gunfire from above is still continuing. The SWAT team has somewhat evacuated, but now they've decided to re-enter. I guess they're they're like there's no bombs in there. I don't know. It's confusing. They leave and then they come, they try to come back, and they're trying to breach the front door. Cyrus keeps yelling to cease fire, but neither sides can hear him because of the gunfire being so loud. So Nancy from CPS, for whatever reason, thinks that she can reason with the SWAT team. So she rushes upstairs and she's shot by a stray bullet from the state police. So it is a SWAT team member who shoots her. 
Three other members of the separatist church are shot. Um, a mother and father are shot while they're sleeping. Um, and they have a young child who was not shot, but who is now orphaned. And there was also a man who was guarding the front door who was unarmed, who was also shot. There's more shooting and Cyrus is finally able to yell ceasefire and he tells the SWAT to pull back and they agree. Cut to, <laughs> it, it, it takes a while to get here, but we're back in Quantico, Virginia, MBAU headquarters. It takes a minute. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very stressful. The BAU is called in on the case. Um, and again, I ask, this is a conflict. I don't ask. I, I proudly proclaim this is a conflict of interest. Why are they being called in? I don't think they actually do this in law enforcement. I don't think they would allow you to go in on a case if your team members were being held hostage. I'm not sure. Yeah. Vroom, vroom, vroom. They got on the jet. The BAU learns about the raid, and we learned that the Separatist raid was actually the result of a six-month-long weapons investigation. JJ says that before Reed and Prentice went in to the compound undercover, she had reached out to the ATF, which is um, Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, that unit of the FBI, and asked them to get in contact with um, Wells, who is the attorney general in charge of raids i guess they had at, they hadn't said we're going to send in fbi but they they asked if there was anything active with the compound and wells has said no there's no there are no pending investigations so he lied because there was actually a pending investigation and apparently when atf had asked him he thought it was like someone trying to make a play for attorney general so he specifically lied to them he didn't know that Reed and Prentice were going into the compound, but he did know that CPS was completing a welfare check and interview. And he thought that this would be a perfect time because all the children would be in one space and that the SWAT team could avoid the children. But clearly the SWAT team did not do that. They were just firing willy nilly. So this, this is very badly backfired. It's, it's history time. We're going to learn a history lesson. Ooh, history lesson. Yes, get your, crack open your notebooks, kiddos. Uh, We learned that the ranch was initially founded by a libertarian man, ew, uh, named Leo Kane in 19, I'm sorry, I have no fucking time for libertarians. If you're a libertarian, you're listening to this podcast. Sorry to burst your bubble, but. Why was the, you're probably going to cut this, but why was the don't tread on me flag waved during the uh, January 6th raid? Hmm? Uh, Yeah, because it's a conservative group pretending to be a liberal group is is what it is. Anyways, the Libertarian Ranch uh, was founded um, by a man named Leo Kane in 1980. He created it as a self-sustaining commune. Cyrus took over after Kane was sent to prison for a 17-year stretch for tax fraud. And it's clarified that he got four years for tax fraud and 13 years for shooting IRS agents with a gun. Cyrus is also a libertarian, but when he took over, he introduced the religious aspect to the cult, calling himself a prophet and talking about doomsday. Hotch places Rossi in charge of hostage negotiations. Apparently, Rossi taught the hostage negotiation class in Quantico, 
Rossi first declines because he's like, I'm emotionally invested into in this. I can't be emotionally invested and be the hostage negotiator, but Hotch insists. He tells Rossi that Rossi is perfect because he has experience with Serg, which is the hostage negotiation. Um, but he also knows Reed and Prentice. And Reed and Prentice will be making moves inside the compound trying to help the BAU. We also meet Dan, Sheriff Dan. I don't, I don't they're calling him Dan, but sure. <laughs> um, who I guess was he must be some part of hostage negotiation. I don't know. It's confusing because he says that he and Rossi were there for both Ruby Ridge and Waco. And there's another standoff that was mentioned that I didn't look into too much, but he's the local sheriff and Ruby Ridge and Waco were not in Colorado. No. And we've covered both of those. So you all know. Yeah. And so I'm a little confused. But okay, anyways, I guess he's just a traveling local sheriff who's good with hostage neg- I don't know, guys. I don't know. Let's move past this. I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole. Okay, so Dan apparently set this sent the state police packing, which is the SWAT team that killed the members of the church. Um, but he's called in local police to assist. So Rossi tells us that the team is looking for a, quote, minimal loss situation. Hey, girl, that's the title of the episode. Then we get a little geometry lesson from Morgan. We got a history lesson. Now we're dipping our toe into geometry. Morgan says, quote, cults are structured like pyramids. The leader is at the top. The diehard believers in the middle, the biggest group, the base, women and children. This is the group we can save. This is also the same structure as a multi-level marketing scheme. Because multi-level marketing schemes are also cults. Yes. The same thing. Arose by any other name, my friend. Okay, anyways. We also learn from Hotch about the trickle flow strategy. So, quote, the trickle flow base strategy is designed to get the followers out. So the people all the way at the bottom. First one or two, then three or four, then as many as we can, as fast as we can. And if at any point things start to go bad, we go in. And now we have a little little dive I, I think this is the only profile we get in this entire episode about a cult slash cult leader all right so a cult slash cult leader the leaders are charismatic sociopaths who target those who are most susceptible to their seduction they have the ability to see what each person needs they become that thing If we are trying to dismantle them, we have to undermine their perception that we're an invading army laying siege to their home, demilitarize the situation by putting the officers of local police in civilian clothes. So Rossi calls Cyrus up on the phone. Ring, ring, ring. But the first young child, um, but I should say... The phone is answered by the young child whose parents were murdered in their sleep. And the child is like, you killed my parents. Are you going to kill me too? And Rossi's like, no, I'm going to try. I'm sure would like not to. So then Cyrus gets on the phone and asks the BAU to just leave. 
And Rossi tells Cyrus that one of the policemen who was shot and injured actually bled out on the way to the hospital. So now Cyrus is going to be charged for murder, whether he likes it or not. Rossi asks Cyrus about the three CPS workers, and Cyrus says that Nancy Lund has died. Rossi then asks Cyrus to send out the wounded, and Cyrus says, no, just send us supplies. So Rossi's like, okay, we'll send supplies. So the BAU tries to bug the supplies, I guess something called the SERG handbook, um, which means that the FBI's first priority is getting ears into the hostage situation. Rossi delivers the supplies to Cyrus. Cyrus then takes Rossi on a little tour of the compound. All the separatists plus Reed and Prentice are now in the church sitting at pews. Rossi pretends he doesn't know Reed and Prentice, obviously. And he's like, quote, I had hoped you'd let me take the children. And Cyrus is like, we remember Waco. The children are our protection. Tell them I'm not crazy. Tell them I'm just a man living by God's law. And Rossi's like, all right. And he leaves. Then Cyrus is like, it's wine time. And everybody gets a glass of wine except for Reed and Prentice. So Reed and Prentice watch Jessica Evanson the girl from before, and they realized that she is worshiping Cyrus. So she would not have made that call and left that voice message about being molested. They believe that her mother, Kathy did. Cyrus is like, let's all drink the wine. And then they do. And he's like, we have drank the poison together. And the BAU has bugged the shit out of this place. So they're like, Oh God, he's poisoned everyone. And Rossi's like, wait a minute, like something's up. Cyrus was so calm when this all happened. He must be bluffing. I don't think he actually killed anyone. Yeah, because they're like, it's Jonestown. And we're like, "Mm, is it? Is it? And and Reed and Prentice realized the same thing. So Cyrus is having one of his followers write down the names of people who look like nervous that they've just been told that they were poisoned. And then he's like, You weren't poisoned. I just wanted to know who the true believers were. Meanwhile, the reporter from earlier, beep, boop, 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 tells the world that a source told him that there is an FBI agent undercover at the compound. Oh, God. Cyrus, of course, sees this and demands to know who the agent is. And Prentice confesses to being with the FBI. So Cyrus takes Prentice off and he beats her. Oh God, this is so stressful. It's so stressful. And as he's beating her, she keeps saying, I can take it. I can take it. Hotch hears this and is like, okay, she's saying that for us to let us know that she can take it. Because if they rush in, they're going to blow their cover and then they won't be able to do their minimal loss thing. Reed tells Cyrus, quote, I can't tell you the number of times I've investigated these kind of claims against religious groups. Almost all of them turn out to be false. And Cyrus likes Reed. Reed is like, release one kid. Show the BAU that you can be trusted so they don't come storming in here. And Cyrus was like, I will release a child. So then Cyrus calls the BAU and is like, I'll release a child if you can tell me the identity of the FBI agent. And of course, the BAU has heard Prentice confessing, so they identify her, and then Cyrus trusts Reed. Cyrus assembles everyone in the chapel. 
He calls out the members of the congregation who were upset when he fake poisoned them. And he tells them that they can leave if they want. And they do. He then calls Rossi and is like, quote, we will surrender tomorrow at noon. And then he wants fried chicken. Reed talks to Cyrus, uh, knowing that the BAU is listening and starts dropping hints that the BAU should come in now because Reed is like, okay, so it wasn't Jonestown before, but it's about to be Jonestown. The BAU decide that they're going to storm the compound at 3 a.m., but they need to now communicate this time frame to Reed and Prentice so that Reed and Prentice can move the women and children out of harm's way. So with the fried chicken delivery, they write a note on the lid of one of As the- if that's not going to get seen by anyone else. They, it's like a takeout container. They write on the lid, open until 3 a.m. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing. Like, I, I don't know, guys. I, we got to just keep going. So, <laughs> but I guess Reed sees that. So Kathy Evanson is assigned to care for Prentice, and Prentice confronts her about making the 911 call. Kathy tells Prentice that she, that, well, we know that um, you can't get married if you're under the age of 18 unless you have parents' consent. So Kathy did consent for Jessica to get married to Cyrus, but she tells Prentice that there were other girls and they, some of them got married in secret, so she didn't want it to be a secret. Um, but she wants to save Jessica from Cyrus. Prentice makes the huge leap that she should confide to Kathy that the BAU is going to storm the compound at 3 a.m., which is a huge fucking leap that she makes. So she's like, okay, Kathy, I trust you 100%. So she's like, Kathy, you just got to get all the women and children together and bring them to the tunnel. I also, like, there was no good point to point this out, but, like, for any Gilmore Girls fans, the actress who's playing Kathy plays Liz, uh, Jess's mom from Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so cool. Cyrus tells Reed that he can leave if he wants, and Reed tells Cyrus that he wants to say to stay, and Cyrus is planning a mass suicide, as one does, He's got dynamite and is going to go boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Cyrus takes an assault rifle out and starts going outside to let off rounds to make sure that the press is watching. And he does at that time see that the BAU is about to storm the scene. Kathy shows back up to help Prentice and is like, I told Jessica that Cyrus wanted her to gather all the women and children in the chapel. And then Kathy frees Prentice and they hurry off. The BAU shows up and moves the women and the children out of the tunnel. Jessica realizes what's happening and she runs off to go be with Cyrus. Cyrus rigs the dynamite to explode and Reed is like quoting the scripture at him. And then he stabs Reed and he's like, you don't know the word of God more better than I do. And then Morgan shows up and shoots Cyrus just as Jessica shows up. And then Cyrus is dead and Jessica won't leave. And Morgan and Reed make freaking run out of there just as the compound explodes. Boom, boom, boom. Oh my God. So much. It's just, it all happens so fast, you guys, but that's the gist of it. And then there was this like moment at the end where Jessica and Cyrus were 
blown up and Jessica's mother like went out on a limb and made all of this possible and Prentice has to tell her that her daughter is dead which is super sad I this episode is so much but I do really like it yeah I I just think it needed to be like a two-parter I agree I you all know how I feel about cults (laughs) (laughs) I know you love cults I do. I think they're really, really interesting, um, which is why I am dedicating so much of my personal time now to studying multi-level marketing schemes because they're basically like modern day cults. Should I share my deep dive? Yes. I was like, Mac, I don't know what to do with this because there's so many different directions I could go on this deep dive for. I could talk about Jonestown. I could talk about other cults. But again, because we're trying to not exploit the death of tons of people, I was like, let's not. And also, if I'm going to do Jonestown, i got to really sit down and do it, you know? So instead, we're going to be talking about Critical Incident Response Group, so SURG, which is what they do in this episode. So an overview of what SURG is, it, it is a, like I said, the Critical Incident Response Group. And this is from the FBI's website, guys. <laughs> yeah, shout out. So it was established in 1994 to integrate tactical negotiations behavioral analysis, and crisis management resources into one cohesive structure to facilitate the FBI's rapid response to critical incidents. So as the Bureau's mission has expanded over the years, so has CERG's responsibilities, but the premise behind its formation stays the same. So today, CERG, which has uh, a motto of Preventus per apparatus, so success through readiness, has grown into a one-stop shop that provides expertise in these following fields. Crisis management, hazardous devices disruption, crisis negotiations, behavioral analysis and assessments, strategic information dissemination, tactical and technical operations, ground air surveillance, aviation support, special events management, and rapid deployment logistics. Personnel are um, on call around the clock seven days a week. They also facilitate enterprise-wide situational awareness and maintains a platform for critical interface and dissemination of strategic information. CERG provides training programs to the FBI, field offices and federal and state and local and international law enforcement partners with aggressive training programs, state-of-the-art equipment and expertise in a broad range of technical and investigative techniques. CERG is capable of fulfilling its overall mission of readiness, response, and resolution to manage critical incidents. Interesting. I mean, so Rossi probably just focused on the hostage negotiation, like rapid deployment team part of it, where we're talking about like child kidnappings, hostage situations, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it looks like they do a lot, um, which makes sense. 
Um, and I just cannot imagine having it on the clock 24 seven, like, you know, seven days a week job. That sounds harrowing. Yeah. And also I have to retract my statement about that sheriff. I think maybe I messed up his title because it sounds like he's like, just like a Serg officer and that it would make sense that he was at Ruby Ridge and Waco because he was just on the on call for it. I retract that statement. <laughs> it, yeah. it makes more sense now. So I think I just got his name wrong. Should we rate this? Yes, let's rate this. I, I, I feel like we should give Luke Perry a 20. Of course. Can we give Luke Perry a 21? No. Okay, are you sure? I feel like it would throw everything off. Would it really? Okay, sure. We can do it. This episode's not going to get a 100. I can tell you that. We're making an exception for Luke. All right. Uh, Character development and character arcs. Ooh, I feel like Reed and Prentice had a lot of stuff going on there. Like, they were in a really... I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting pairing, the two of them together. I love them. They're my two favorites. Really? Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I feel like we didn't have a lot of, like, great growth, if that makes sense. But it was very... I feel like we focused on different aspects of their personalities. But it wasn't, like, them overcoming something. Interesting to kind of see, like, Rossi in charge. Because usually it's, like, Hotch in charge. But Rossi, like, really took over. And I think he did a really good job empathizing and predicting Cyrus's moves. And especially that moment where Cyrus was like, we've all drank the poison wine together and Hotch was like ready to go in and Rossi was like, wait, this is, doesn't track like his behavior. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't think it's perfect, but I do think they do a good job like making these characters more grounded. Do you want to give it like a 12 or 13? Let's do 13. Forensics and context. So I do think it was cool that they talked about and showed, like, the test run with the poison, because I feel like a lot of people forget that, like, Jim Jones did do, like, test runs. Also, it was flavorade, not Kool-Aid. Sorry, just had to, just had to say it. They did a good job, and we've already had cults, so they didn't, like, go too deep into it. But I did think the whole... geometry lesson was interesting where they like said you know basically screw the true believers we're gonna focus on the people who we have a chance at saving and actually pulling out of there because that seems super realistic so i think maybe a 15 17 yeah i was gonna say 15 script writing convoluted as hell it should have been two parts It started out really strong, but as they were trying to wrap everything up in those last five minutes, it was so confusing. So like a 10, a 12? Yeah, let's give it a 12. And background characters, I think let's give it like a 15. I think we give a little bit more. I really think that, I think Kathy and Jessica's characters were really interesting. Yeah, so I I mean. 17? Yes. 78. Well, guys, 
always, as always, we have a Patreon, $5 a month, and you get two bonus episodes, and we have a Ko-fi. You can check out uh, the episode notes for all of those links. Follow us at Unsubs Podcast. Uh, follow me, yournewapartment.tumblr.com. And you can follow me at Between Sage and Screen Podcast on Instagram and listen to it on all streaming services. Guys, we're about to get willified with this next episode. Oh my god, we are. Will Whedon in the house.